Hey, welcome to the Building Church. We are continuing our conversation on the good old stories. We're going to talk about Daniel here, and usually if I say Daniel, you think Daniel and the lions? Yeah, or Shadrach, Meshach, Benigo and the fiery. Yeah, we're not going to cover any of that today. We're going to talk about Daniel. Try to make it, if I can say it this way, as real life to us as possible. And so I would like to tell you the story, the movie, the narrative that I engage reading this passage about. And usually I always start with a whole like, hey, here's where we've been, here's what we're talking about. We're going to cover that in the middle. The first is, I want to tell you the picture of Daniel that I paint in my head. So we know this for a fact. The children of Israel is going to be in captivity for 70 years. We also know because the book of Daniel tells us that Daniel was in his 80s. So that gives us a hint that Daniel was taken into captivity 10 years old. 12 years old, 14 years old. Why do I use those numbers? Well, that's the number of my three boys. Could I imagine at 14 years old, my boy being taken in captivity? And here's the question for you. Is he ready to live a godly life after the 14 years that I've taught him? Maybe, maybe my 14-year-old. My 12-year-old? Possibly. My 10-year-old? Man, he's still figuring it out. So all of a sudden, this kid Daniel gets taken in captivity, and we read that like no big deal, but if we paint the picture of what most likely happened, possibly could have happened, could you imagine that you've heard your entire life, and let's just go for 10 years. For 10 years, he heard about a guy named uh, Isaiah that said, kept, listen, punishment is coming, punishment is coming, punishment is coming, but it never came. But then you have a guy named Jeremiah, a brand new prophet that wore a plaque around his chest. If you want to know more about him, go back and listen last week. More about Isaiah, go listen to two weeks ago. But basically, Jeremiah is walking around going, captivity is coming, punishment, punishment is coming, Babylon is coming. And now all of a sudden, on, when you were born, Babylon came in and took a wave of people away. And now somewhere, you know, five, six, seven years old, you have another wave of Babylonian captivity come in and they took over Israel again. And in your brain, you could be thinking, hey, we dodged the bullet. We're not a part of those people that are being taken into captivity. But then we find out that the Babylonians came in for a third and final time. And when they came in this time, not only did they capture everybody, they burnt Jerusalem down. They absolutely destroyed this place. And your homeland is now gone. And you as a kid is being taken off into captivity. But don't worry, your parents are around. Not in the movie that I've created. Because normally during that time period, what they would do is they would kill any man that would be able to fight against them. So here's a question. Did mom and dad both die? Did just dad? I know in my thinking, if I were to create a movie of this, you would have baby Daniel at 10, 11, 12 years old be standing there as they're wrapping him up. And I, in this movie, I would have his parents killed right in front of him. And the last signs that Daniel saw as Jerusalem burned in the background was the life in his parents' eyes draining out of them. To now be carried off into captivity with people screaming at you and you don't understand a word that they're saying. Everything you tried to grab before you left home, they're ripping out of your hands. The very clothes that you have on, they're pulling it off and dressing you differently and shaving your head. And by the way, at this time, castrating you. 
At the very youngest age, not only is he losing his home, not only is he losing his parents, but history tells us that he most likely also lost his manhood. And I'm going to tell you about Daniel, and we know him as Daniel in the lion's den. We know him as Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were over under oppression, decided not to bow, got thrown into a fiery furnace, but there wasn't three in the furnace, there was four, and they came out without even uh, bondages on their hand. And we celebrate this guy named Daniel. But unless you understand the context in which he went into captivity, and here's the most beautiful thing, and why I want to highlight Daniel today, Daniel, of everybody we've studied so far, Daniel is going to be the first person I'm going to talk to you that we can't identify a single place in his life where he compromised his belief systems. Adam compromised God's law, followed his wife's sin, and lost paradise. Abraham compromised the truth, lied about Sarah, nearly lost his wife. Sarah compromised God's word, sent Abraham to Hagar, who bore Ishmael and lost peace in the Middle East, actually to this day. Esau compromised a meal with Jacob and lost his birthright. Saul compromised divine word, kept animals, and lost his royal seed line. Aaron compromised his conviction about idolatry, and the people lost the privilege to go into the promised land. Samson compromised righteous devotion to being a Nazarite, to Delilah, lost his strength, lost his eyes, and eventually lost his life. Israel compromised the commands of God, lived in sin, fought against the Philistines, lost the Ark of the Covenant, lost the Ark of God. David compromised the divine moral standard, adulterated with Bathsheba, murdered Uriah, and lost his child. Solomon compromised his conviction, married foreign wives, in case you lost track, 700 of them, married foreign wives, and lost the whole kingdom. Ahab compromised, married Jezebel, lost his throne. Israel compromised the law of God, entered into sin and idolatry, lost their homeland. Do I need to review any more of everyone we covered and what we've been calling the good old stories? How about we rename it to the tragic old stories? But what does it look like to live a life uncompromised? And that's where we're at with Daniel. And by the way, if you go, well, it's Daniel. Don't you know you had Daniel in the lion's den? You had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fiery furnace. Daniel interpreted dreams. Not only did he interpret dreams, there was one time where a man's hand, and if you don't believe, just go read it. There's other like crazier things in the Bible that we believe. In the middle of a party, a man's hand showed up and started writing on a wall. Daniel was the only one to interpret it. I went through and I read the entire book of Daniel, counted every miracle that I could identify, and it's roughly eight. But let's go with this. Let's go with seven. Why? During the 70 years of captivity, we say that Daniel is an incredible man of God because of seven events, and he was faithful to God without compromise. Or can we say this? We have proof positive that once a decade, God comes through for him. If God came through for you once every 10 years, how faithful are you? If every decade 
you can name one point in your life that God would be faithful, would that hold you faithful for 10 more years? Oh, and by the way, you're like, well, you, you don't understand the life that I lived. Okay, let's compare Daniel's real quick. Why? Because I feel sarcasm raising up inside of me. Here it is. Ready? So Daniel is in this Babylonian captivity with a group of people that despise him and view him as a slave, but yet, and by the way, there is a beautiful story about Daniel, despite being captivity, literally changed the laws of the land because of the influence. Which means every co-worker hated him. Is there anybody in here? Or, ready for this, every time a new king, and I know it wasn't king, but let's just say that word, every time a new king came along, Daniel had to reprove himself to his new boss. No matter how much good work you've done in the past, the new boss came in and you still had to prove yourself as a valuable employee. Oh, and by the way, the greatest longings of Daniel's life, he was never able to go back and revisit them again. Does anyone, can you say, I may know how Daniel feels in a few areas. But then the question is, do you live a Daniel lifestyle where it is just uncompromised who you are, what whose you are, and your devotion to God? And so that's why I really want to get into Daniel's life. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to read one simple passage, Daniel chapter 1, telling us the story of Daniel going in captivity. We're going to kind of look at three specific things that Daniel had to make major life decisions about, but then... We as a church, we as a people, we're going to do some self-evaluation. How many is ready for self-evaluation today? Let God pick on you. I knew it. I knew it. Daniel chapter 1, if you have your Bible, open them up. If you have our app, you can always go to today's sermon notes. You can download today's sermon notes. I, knew, I know I threw in some extra information that you may want to see there. For those in our online community, we are so grateful. Here's what I need you to do. Here, I can hear people say amen. There, I just have to read it later. So if you're there right now, say amen. Say how you doing. Tell me where you're watching from. But make sure to be interacting with us as you're in our online campus. And so Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, wicked guy, horrible guy, detestable guy. This king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Besieged, I have no idea what the real definition is, so here's mine. He destroyed it. He pillaged it. He burnt it. He, he, he absolutely, everything about it, wanted nothing to do with it, and all the people that were there, he grabbed them, which means you, you're guaranteed to have murder. You're guaranteed just everything that goes along with it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands. Wait, what did that sentence just say? The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Here's a complete side thought for you. If you want to live in foolish thinking long enough, God will just give you to it. If you choose to live a lifestyle that is opposite of what God's called us to, he will draw you. He will call you. He will plead with you to live the healthy way. But eventually, he will not force you. And he will let you fully live in the foolishness that you're choosing. But here's the crazy thing about this. The Babylonian captivity worked. Think about this. We have the children of Israel who refused to follow everything that God said. 
And he said, eventually you're going to go into captivity. Gives them in captivity. The children of Israel, which by the way is human nature, swung from one all the way to the other. They went from a foolish nation that didn't trust God and his laws and swung all the way over to becoming Pharisees. So oddly enough, the captivity worked. They were so interested in never going back to captivity that they became way, way, way too religious. Here's what we need to do. Let's just find a happy median. Let's not rebel against God, but anybody out there, in the sound of my voice, that you're the weird Christian, stop being that too. <laughs> let's just come right here to the middle. Just come right here to the middle, and let's just love Jesus, right? Let's, just, let's get it down to here. So, by the way, along with some of the articles from the temple, these he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the, treasures house of his, in the treasured house of his God. Then the king ordered Azaphim, chief of the court's official, to bring some of the king, uh, into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. This gives us some insight of kind of who Daniel was in the Israelite nation. They were young men without physical defect. They were handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the kingdom's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. So the king said, listen, we just grabbed this whole new group of people. We've extended, expanded, extended our empire. So now we need someone to help us rule those empires. So reach into the Israelite nation. Find me the best of the best. Find me the ones that were going to the elite Ivy League schools. Bring those to me. But we need to indoctrinate them to our belief system to where they can now turn around and just kind of continue to perpetuate our belief system. The king assigned to them a daily amount of food and wine for the king's from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. After that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those chosen were, from Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief, though, weren't going to go with a name like Daniel, L being the, the surname of our God. At some point, listen, we got to give you a new name. You can't have L, so we're going to give you some of our God's name. So to Daniel, uh, he gave Hananiah, Mishael, or excuse me, Daniel, he gave the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Boy, all those words just kind of formed together in one big clump on my page there. So basically, you have Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, now the new Babylonian names. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself. <laughs> Hang on a second. Let's throw a quick time out here. So now all of a sudden you're brought into this foreign nation. They're changing your clothes. They're going to change your language. They're going to give you brand new literature. And you just have to eat something just a little different. And so Daniel, they wanted to change their belief system with a new education, verse 4. Daniel was okay with that. I need to learn. Here, here's the way we need to look at it. The culture that I'm going to live in now, I need to learn how this culture thinks and behaves. Which, by the way, Daniel's saying, I absolutely can do that. Because I know a culture doesn't mean I am that culture. I know today the culture that I'm living in in the United States is an entirely different culture than what my parents and grandparents were raised in. 
And I'm just going to go ahead and say this because I had a wonderful conversation with one of my boys this week. I'm really afraid for the culture that they're going to be living in 10 years from now, let alone 20 years. Because at a way too young of age, my boy is talking to me about sex and relationships. But the thing is, I can talk to him about it because I'm currently living in a culture that is absolutely trying to sexualize the next generation and down to the core of who they are in kindergarten and exposing them to things that they never should be exposed to. So just because I know my culture doesn't mean I am my culture. Right? But I have enough God culture inside of me to be able to speak into the culture in which I'm living in. Daniel thought the same thing. Listen, you want me to learn a new language? You want me to learn your history? I can learn that. No big deal. But then, also, they're going to give him a new name. So, hang on. Daniel goes, fine. Give me a new name. Because the outside label that you put on me doesn't change the inside identity that I'm aware of. People can call you anything they want. Uh, what is a, a rose by any other name? Still a rose. So Daniel, you want to call me Belshazzar? You can call me Belshazzar, but I know L is still a part of who I am. Amen. So fine. Go ahead. Change my name. Now, Daniel, we're just going to give you a little different food to eat. And Daniel goes, no, I don't want your diet. This makes no sense. This is crazy. You're changing my hair. You're changing my language. You're changing my history. You're changing my name. You're changing all these things, and I'm fine with it. But now all of a sudden, rather than having a Big Mac, you want me to have a Whopper, and I'm going to say no to it? Except when you find out that the food that the king wanted them to eat was food sacrificed to their idols. And after it was sacrificed to their idols, the belief was the moment you eat it, those gods would give you wisdom and how to live. Now, there was also another issue. Chances are some of the items that they wanted Daniel to eat were not kosher. Does everyone know what I mean when I say the word kosher according to the Jewish tradition? Probably came from animals with hooved feet and things like that. And so what Daniel, actually what he said was, here's what I can't do. I can't actually ingest into me that which would change me. So I can know it. And I can beware of the culture. I can wear it because that doesn't matter. I can even be identified by a different name because that doesn't influence me. But the moment you want me to put inside of me, because here's what it is. The way you live is an indicator by what you believe and what you believe comes out from what's inside of you. And Daniel ultimately said this. I cannot put inside of me that which doesn't glorify God. I can't ingest inside of me because eventually, and I will tell you this now, you can say it doesn't affect you, but the longer you eat it or the longer you listen to it or the longer you watch it or the longer you Google it, eventually it starts changing who you are as a person. I had an example that I was thinking about using here, but it's like so controversial. I know I shouldn't because some of you would get offended. So I'm just trying to figure out if I should use it or not. Okay, hang on. Pastor Aaron said keep moving. Just so you know, he trumps you. Speaking of Trump, uh, no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He told me, it's not the spirit. It's not the spirit. It was me thinking it would be funny. (laughs) 
For those online, for those online, I'll be on Facebook in about one hour. Why don't you kick it? No, I won't do that. But we, I'll be looking you up. I love you right now. That's fantastic. But here's the thing. Daniel was keenly aware that things from the outside can influence the inside. The question for all of us is simply this. Are you aware of it? Are you aware of the environment that you, in, that you are currently in will change you, not just from the outside in, but eventually from the inside out? And so I was thinking... What if we had an honest evaluation of what influences us the most? Daniel's life, we can say God influenced him more than culture. But the question I would have for us is what influences you more, culture or God? So let's do a little test. I'm going to put up a slide behind me with a scale of 1 to 10. What influence are you under? Are you under culture or are you under God? I head in the right direction. Now, if you say that I'm under the influence of God, I'm a 10. Just so you know, Jesus was a 10. Is there anyone who's going to disagree with me on that one? Because I will win this theological debate. Jesus was a 10. You're not a 10 ever at any time. Now, maybe you bump a high nine for a minute. Let's just all focus on the H, right? Say eight, say eight for those Brian Regan fans out there. So 10, if you don't know who Jesus is, let me just give you a little insight. This was God in heaven, in eternity, that stepped out of heaven onto earth. We celebrate his birthday every single Christmas. And so go, we, we need that slide. Go, give me that slide back up. We're here, we're here for a minute. Jesus stepped out of heaven on Christmas, clothed himself in flesh, lived for us for 33 plus years. Eventually, Easter, we celebrate this. He died on a Roman cross for our sins. And in dying on that cross, three days later, everybody dies. But three days later, he proved who he was by being raised from the dead. Not because of an influence of, uh, infusion of blood, not because of a doctor, not because of CPR, but because the eternal life that he said he was overcame the power of sin and death. So that's Jesus. You're not a 10. But whose influence are you under? Are you under culture or are you under God? So let's just start looking for a, thing, a, a couple things. When it comes to your in, in, entertainment, are you, in, are you influenced by what entertains you, by what God says or what culture says? I know for me, by the way, I wrote my own notes and I was convicted. Because there's some things in my entertainment that I'm absolutely influenced by God. And here's an example. And by the way, I'm just overly honest. If you don't know me, I'm overly honest. One issue that I, I have a lot of issues in life. I just assumed someone was going to say amen on that one. I just, I, I paused. I gave you a chance. But my wife's not here, so thank you for that. But here's one issue I don't have is pornography. I just don't have an issue with pornography. I get to see one person naked, and that's my wife. And again, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm too honest for you. It's one person. So when it comes to my entertainment, if I know that there's a movie, there's a, a TV show, um, Game of Thrones, don't clap or anything, just, I've heard great reviews about it. But the one thing I also know is they have very vivid sexual scenes. I've never watched a single episode. Because here's the one thing I know, that if I start my entertainment... If I start being entertained by nudity, eventually I'm just going to want more nudity. But I've also found in my life that if I only ever see one person nude, I'm really excited just to see that one person nude. So I'm influenced by God when it comes to my entertainment, what my eyes see, not my culture. But I'll also tell you now, 
when it comes to something that's funny, It's a sliding scale. It's a sliding scale. I and mean, listen, you can judge me all you want, but let me go do your search history, okay? Like at this point, I started realizing there's sometimes when it comes to comedies, when it comes to some movies, I definitely kind of slide to the left. I'm not a one. Well, I'm a solid two sometimes. Like I just. <laughs> but when it comes to your entertainment, what influences you more? Let me ask you this. What are the predetermined places where you just said, hey, I'm not doing that? You know, we're right in the middle of a Halloween, Oktoberfest. I have a question. What do you find entertainment? And if it's all demons, monster, and a cult, at what point does that glorify God? Just asking. By the way, I'm not looking at anybody. I'm just, I'm throwing that out there when it comes to your entertainment. Let's just go to another one. This one's a fun one because it just seems like it hits everybody all the time. When it comes to your money, when you get your paycheck in hand, are you under God's influence or are you under culture's influence? God's influence for me, I know for this, the very first thing that ever comes out after any paycheck or any income that I get is my tithes and offerings. And by the way, I've said it once and I'll say it again. I can prove this to you. Like this is easy. It's on paper. But are you more influenced on a culture that when you get this money, this is your money to do what you want, and you may give a little something to God afterwards if there's anything left? Are you influenced by culture because you need to get the latest, greatest, biggest, baddest, fastest because it's being advertised? Well, I would say this. When's the last time you got a paycheck and said, what good can I do with it? Or what do you say, what can I be satisfied by? They're indicators of what influences you are being influenced by, uh, by something. Let's just look at the words that we spoke last week. And right now you're going to say, oh, he's going to talk about cussing. No, I'm not. I'm just going to talk about the words that you said. Last week when talking to your children, did you go more under culture? Or did you find a way that even in a place of frustration to grow them towards God? When you had that argument with your spouse... Even though there was a disagreement, could we find holiness there? Could we find righteousness there? Could we find uplifting there? Are we found more by what culture says or by what God has called us to? What about your self-worth? When you got up this morning, when you leave to go to work tomorrow, when you posted something online, did you post it? Did you look away to glorify God or to see what culture had to say? And if you don't know if this is you, the moment you posted something and 20 minutes later, you immediately got online to see how many likes, shares, and comments that you had, there is a chance that you're driven by versus recognizing that this is a place where I can glorify God. Do you have a greater influence of God or under a greater influence of culture? And here's the thing that I would say. This is something that we need to recognize that this is always happening in our life. Because if you, so often you're unaware that it's happening to you. Just another example to drive it home. How many have ever just been around a drunk person before? Okay, if you're online, put a little hand up. Notice how I said, how many have ever been drunk before? I didn't ask that question. I, I'm not ready to pick on this that much. But you've been around a drunk person. How many have ever been around a drunk person before that didn't realize how drunk they were? Yeah. <laughs> right? 
And so something happens when you start getting under the influence of something else, right? One or two drinks in, they maybe just talk a little louder, right? The jokes come out a little bit easier. The comments come a little faster. But somehow after like five or six drinks, they start looking better. They start dancing better. They're ready to fight everybody because they're invincible, right? The more you put in you, the more you change, but you may not even realize that you're changing. But if you don't realize that you're changing, you don't understand that you're under the influence of alcohol. In your life, with the culture you should be living, if you are unaware that there's someone trying to all the time feed you a different culture, a different way to think, a different way to define man and woman, I'm going to go ahead and go here, we're here. This is it. If, there, if you don't understand that we're trying to define redefine words like vaccine, words like male, words like female, words like sexuality, eventually you'll just keep drinking this thing and you don't even realize you're drunk on today's culture. And by the way, I am going to say this, my goal is never just to make someone mad during a sermon. My goal isn't just to offend for the sake of offending. But one of my responsibilities is to preach the word of God. And at some point, when you're born, you either have male or you have female parts. And those of, those of us that struggle with identity, I hope you don't view my last comment as degrading to you. I don't want anybody to struggle with their identity. Your identity can be found in Jesus Christ the lover of your soul. And if you are struggling with that, I have a culture I want to introduce to you. And it's the culture of my king that on purpose made you. But if you're unaware of one culture, you're probably overindulging in another. So what culture are you drinking? What culture? Because you have to know the culture that you're wanting to become like, because as followers of Jesus Christ, you will never accidentally fall into righteousness. You will never accidentally stumble into holiness. It is a culture you choose ahead of time to be like, and we are called to righteousness. We are called to holiness. But if every time we turn around, we are being more influenced by the culture around us versus the God who's called us, then I'll tell you, you eventually get to the point where you go, where is he? Who am I? Daniel, in everything that he had to go through, never once lost the culture that he was actually a part of, and it's the culture of Jesus Christ Yahweh, God the Father, Holy Spirit. So I brought up alcohol just a second ago. If you've ever been to an AA meeting, if you've ever been to any type of rehab place, one of the things that you read all the time is this thought. It says, our thoughts determine our actions. Our actions determine our habits. Our habits determine our character. And our character determines our destiny. Our thoughts determine our actions. Our actions determine our habits. Our habits determine our character. Our character determines our destiny. Where do you want to be 10 years from now? It starts today with your thoughts. Where do you want, what kind of family do you want when your children are graduated? 
What kind of marriage do you desire to have in your life? It starts today with your thoughts. Because those thoughts, those things that influence us, will eventually determine our actions, what we turn on, what we spend money on, the words that I speak out of my mouth, right? Those are going to determine my actions. If I do my actions long enough, you know what actions become? Actions become habits. They can be good habits, they can be habit. A good habit, when I'm depressed and I need something, I run down and I do a good workout. Bad habit is, I feel bad about myself, I'll make chocolate chip pancakes with homemade whipped cream and syrup. As an example, as an example, it's not an example, it's... It's real talk. That is, my mom raised me with chocolate chip pancakes as a breakfast food. I don't know why I fight my waistline. Our habits determine our character. What is our character? Our char- that is actually who you are. Not in front of public when you're standing on a stage and you're trying to look good, but in private behind the closed doors that no one sees what you're doing. That's character. And then ultimately, that determines our, our destiny. So, there's one scripture of everything in the book of Daniel that I'd like you to know. And it's this, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself. With what? The pagan, outside of his culture, outside the character he wants, food and wine. He resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and asked chief officials permission not to file himself this way. You go on to read about it. You find out that Daniel ended up doing what we call the Daniel fast. Many of us still do this, 21 days long, fruits, vegetables, all that kind of stuff. But we end up looking back at Daniel's life, and we go, man, Daniel, thank you for this awesome way to learn how to fast and lose weight. Like, this is awesome, Daniel. Good for you, right? But at this moment in Daniel's life, it was not about the carrots it was because ahead of time he determined in his heart above all things i'm not defiling myself against who god is in god's word okay so here's our homework assignment we got we got about four minutes to be able to solve this ready for this what is the place in your life today that you're going to make a decision not to defile yourself What is the habit in your life that you're determining today that you're going to do so that your your thoughts, your actions, your habits, and your characters stay close to God? So I'll give you a couple that I know that I have in my life. So when it comes to me personally, I get up every single morning, and the very first thing I do is I read. Now, it's not always the Bible, but... 95% 95% of the time, it is spiritual books. Right now, I'm reading a book on the five masculine identities that every man should have. I, thank you. I'm a sissy. I appreciate that. No, no. Like, <laughs> some of the stuff I'm reading really challenged me. So I wake up in my life. The first thing, if, if the first thing we need is food and water to nourish our bodies, how is it I don't need the word of God for the first thing in my life? So in order for you to put God first, do you just need to wake up, download the version app, and read something? Right? I already gave you this example. I only want my wife in my life. Let's be honest, and you guys can agree with me. I married up. I've been boxing outside of my white class for years on this one. 
I've outran my coverage. Every example that you have, I'm it. I understand what I have. But I also understand that when my kids come and go, when the church comes and goes, my wife is there with me. So I, I, don't, I don't look at pornography because this is the most important relationship. And for us, in every conversation, we talk everything out all the time. We don't hide. These are just, these are just I've, I've determined ahead of time. For single people, you need to determine now if you want to have sex before marriage. Because I'll give you a hint. I'll go ahead and prophesy to you. When you're in the back of the Buick, which by the way, I don't know it's Buick. I think I'm just calling my age. And everything's hot and heavy. That's not the time to define, decide if you're going to live a pure lifestyle. You don't say to that person, hey, give me a second. I need to pray if we should go any further. Right? Because Daniel resolved ahead of time not to defile himself. Right? So you don't wait till you're in the moment to try to make a God decision. Make the God decision ahead of time. And when you come up to the moment, when I get a paycheck, and by the way, this is a resolve I have in my life, I'm just a giver. I want to be giving. Worst cases, I've heard this argument before. Well, tithing and giving is an Old Testament principle. Worst case is, I get to heaven and God goes, hey, you didn't have to tithe, but man, you were a generous person. Worst case scenario. Now, if we need to have the conversation, is it Old Testament, New Testament? We can, and I have some scriptures I'll share with you. But I know in our finances, God comes first, right? When it comes to my child rearing, a couple things. Number one, no conversation is off limit ever. They're going to talk to someone about it. And by the way, there are times it is awkward. But you know sell it. That's a good question. Where'd you hear that from? Do you know what it means? You do. And then I love this one. Dad, where did you learn this? <laughs> there was a rap artist named Easy E. No, like it's just a... Uh, <laughs> Not everyone's going to get that reference. Is that, was that too cut, deep of a cut? Okay. No conversation is off limit. Number two, every conversation's age appropriate. Right? And then the third one for us, Cammie and I, we, we've just cited, and by the way, this is not a parenting course, and I could be dead wrong on all this, but this, this is what I've predetermined. Every kid is an individual not to be compared with my other kids. Because I will tell you now, the oldest is fantastic. I've never checked homework. I've never checked bedtime. He makes his bed in the morning. Like, it, it, the oldest, he's doing what the oldest does. And then you have that middle kid who gets lost. And the amount of times you want to go, Judah did it this way. Why can't you do it this way? But the problem is I'm now saying you have the wrong identity. Judah has his identity. Gideon has his identity. Silas has his identity. And Mo has hers. <laughs> but in order for me to get them to their destiny, they need to know their identity. And their identity needs to be based off of healthy habits. And the healthy habits are going to be determined now by the actions I do, not they do. So question, this is the only thing I want you to take away today. What is the thing in your life that you are going to predetermine before life comes, before emotions come, before society happens, before culture happens? 
What is the thing that you're going to determine now that if I go down this road, I pull out the God culture and I put in the world culture? What's the thing ahead of time you go, I can't go down that road, I can't be that way. Well, a little lie when it comes to the contract. No, 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 wait, I just don't lie. I don't lie. Like, what is the thing in your life right now that you need to determine ahead of time? Because if you don't, it will defile you. Because could you imagine what your life, what Collinsville, Metro East, Illinois, the United States looks like if there was just a people group that all determined in their heart, we will not defile the culture of our kingdom. So God, the question that I ask has individual answers. And Holy Spirit, if there was a smart enough counselor and a seasoned enough pastor to sit with every individual, maybe we can come up with that. But Holy Spirit, I prefer to leverage our relationship with you and ask this simple question. Where is the place in our life that we are being defiled that we don't even know it? Where is the place in our life that we need to set up roadblocks, guardrails, guidelines ahead of time so that when we come up to it, we know that that will defile me because of what I'm putting in me. Holy Spirit, speak to us right now. Paraclete, train us. Our rabbi, disciple us. And what it is you're calling us to. Daniel, we honor you and the words that you recorded for us. Now you, may you be an inspiration of what a life without compromise looks like. And if you have your eyes closed, could I just ask you to keep them closed one second longer? If you're online, just stay with us one minute longer. I want you to hear this. I mentioned him earlier. I cannot go again without he is my greatest friend and the Savior of my life, and it's Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the quick review is he's God who came to earth to die for you. He's calling you into a relationship to walk with him. If you're here today and you've never said to God, you can have my life, I want to follow you. I don't want to defile you. If you're here today, all eyes are closed and heads are bowed. If you're here and you are ready to give your life to Jesus Christ, could I ask you just to simply raise your hand in the air just so that I can see that you made that decision? And as people are making decisions in, our, on, in person, online, same question is going to go out to you. And you're welcome to raise your hand, but I also want to ask you to do this. There will be a comment that pops up. Make sure to hit a like, uh, the like button. Possibly a tab popped up, depending which platform you're on, where you can actually click yes. But regardless, if you've made this decision today, you're not by yourself, please reach out to us. Make a comment so that we can see and follow up with you. But for those in our online and those in person, can we all just say this very simple prayer? Dear Jesus, today is the day that I recognize my culture, my thinking, my belief, is counter to what I was created for. So creator, forgive me of my sins. Become Lord of my life. And from this day forward, I follow you.
God, I thank you for every hand that went up, every button that was clicked, every prayer that was said. Lord, the prayer doesn't do, it, doesn't, it isn't magic, but the outward expression of the internal change is what we're looking for. So thank you for that change today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together. Celebrate with everyone who made that decision.